That was the Grammy Award-winning Come Into My World by Kylie Minogue, and it happened to have been co-written and produced by today's returning guest, Rob Davis. Hi, my name is James Rodriguez Horton, the host of The Original Doll. On The Original Doll, I unpackage music with the people who created it, and at the same time, we give back to charity. So for every question a guest answers, we get items donated to charity. We help out homeless LGBT plus teens, women in domestic abuse shelters, and more. For more information, follow me on Instagram, the.original.doll. You can go old school, www.theoriginaldoll.com. We have returning guest, Rob Davis. Today, we're going to learn all about his work with Enrique Iglesias, Bright Light, Bright Lights, Ronan Keating, Danny Minogue, Holly Valen, Sophie Ellis-Baxter, and perhaps even a conversation about Janet Jackson and Donna Summer. So we have more of that coming soon, but we're going to go ahead and get right into this. And as with every episode of the original doll, any audio recording ripping stealing is strictly prohibited in every country in the world. So I want to give a big shout out to my Patreon patrons. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast. Uh, with you, you're able to keep this podcast open and free for all. For more information, visit www.theoriginaldoll.com. We also have merch coming out and more merch coming out this June. So we're going to head right into this. I'm back with our returning guest, Rob Davis. My name is James Rodriguez Horton, and this is The Original Doll. How about coming to my world? Was it the same thing? Like, did you did you and Kathy think of like a concept? Together? I think I I had a, I had a track vibe for that one, and um, we just pulled it around. And I think we had come into my life at first. We thought, no, this doesn't seem right. Coming to then we 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 went to come into my world, and that just, just sat great. And um, yeah, again, that was done in a day, like seven or eight hours. Yeah. Well, and that was one of those songs. It's it's always listed as like a seductive track because they're like the music, the tempo, the beats, her voice, the backing, everything just leads itself to be this like cool, seductive song. And what I like about it most is that today I can still play it 20 years later and I don't get bored of it. And on Apple Music, they have this like lossless audio where it kind of, you know, puts the sound as the way it should instead of it just being like, you know, murmured you know itunes version or whatever yeah i can hear and it's like i could hear all these parts and what i like is with your productions there are all these things that i'm hearing for the first time after a few listens and mm-hmm. to me that's what's fun like coming to my world i was like oh it's almost like this little layer and then there's something a little bit different something a little bit different and it makes me go rewind let me let me play that again you know what i mean so bravo to you yeah. for that <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Pleasure. So then, so let's talk about some of these these other songs. So now I've had people reach out to me. I have. <laughs> I don't know if you can see. There's like yeah. a plethora over here. That was my question too. Actually, had you ever worked on anything for Britney? Because to me, your music lends itself to like, yes, this is, you know, something. No. no. <laughs> I didn't, but Kathy did. She oh, yeah. did one of Britain. Toxic. Yes. Yes, the toxic. Oh, yeah. And it's funny because Kathy Dennis, when I first found out who the songwriter was on Can't Get You Out of My Head, Kathy Dennis, I was like, 
wait, is it the Kathy Dennis that I had the 45 record for too many walls? That I grew up in a record oh. store and like D Mob, come and get your love. So I was like, yeah. I was like, is this her? But the longest time, I always thought she was just this Irish woman because everything was green and red. So I just assumed she was Irish. Yeah, like, Irish. No, she's not. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. So here's a couple of them. Uh, we have somebody asked, I have a question. I had heard of a song by Tony Hadley called Accident Waiting to Happen. Can you ask yeah. a little bit about how that song came to be? Wow, that's that's an, an unusual one. I, I don't didn't even know that was released. That's that's very interesting. Wow, I don't know how they heard that. Um, I only know that song as a demo. That's that's really uh, quite interesting. Well, see, here's what's been great too. We've had a lot of listeners yeah. that have worked, whether it was A and R or worked in worked at the labels where they heard songs and they were just like, oh, I want to, because we've had people that were like, I used to work at Jive or <clears throat> Parlophone, like all these places where they were yeah. like, this song stuck in my head. It might not have been released, well, but it's stuck in my head. So. That is mad. I can't, can't believe someone's heard that. Um, yeah, that was done with Tony and and, and a girl, girl from oh, I've got a band, from a famous band in the 80s. I'll have to think on that one. But um, yeah, that was, that was written with him and um, it's like a Rocky sort of thing, really going back to my, my mud days a little bit, that one. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Okay, what about, was it Bright Light, Bright Lights? Anybody else? Tina said, oh, yeah. Tina said Bright Light, Bright Lights. Like, they were amazing. Can you please ask about anybody else? Because it's one of those songs I've only heard on SoundCloud, SoundCloud some time ago, and I really like it. I'd love to know any story behind the making of the song. Wow, well, well, Bright Lights is a guy called Rod, and he's a singer. And um, with those, with that track, I, with that song, I wrote, wrote the back track, and he he did the vocal, he up line, and um, yeah, Bright Lights. He's, he's quite, quite got his got a little following going on. I love it, but I can't believe that crossed the states as well. <laughs> it's well, the great thing is uh, we've charted in over 40 countries worldwide. So I have people oh. that are messaging me saying, Hey, do you know the song? I'm like, and I'll try to look it yes. up and it was never released in this territory, but then I'll wow. find it on there. So, um, another person said, Hey, I have a question. Sweet box. Beautiful. Was there other lyrics intended for the opening of that song? Please would love to know. God, that's really old. <laughs> do you know, I'd have to go back and listen to the song. <laughs> That's probably 15 years ago. But um, again, I think I, I do remember that being released, but God, I can't remember enough about this tune. I did it with did it with a guy called Torsten and a guy called Adrian. I know that, but, but uh, I think we might have even written that, that in Ibiza, where I am now. Oh my God, which I'm jealous of, by the way. Thanks. I was just like, you're in a, the shelters that we work with. And by the way, every question you answer, we get items donated to charity. So you just answering all these... We're getting items oh, donated for all this. So even anything yes. on this. Um, we have oh. Enrique Iglesias fan one said, oh my God, can you please uh, talk to me about Break Me, Shake Me? Ah, oh, like, well, that, that's a, another amazing experience meeting Enrique because he's, he's like a madman, really. I was, I, this was me, me and Greg, Greg Alexander with Enrique. It was such a laughter in those tracks. He's, he would take us out on his speedboat and try and throw us off the back of it and that was all in Miami, like really mad. I hope you have already recorded the music before he's trying to kill you on the back of the boat. <laughs> yeah, we did. Oh, God, that was that was really fun. Being that's my first time in Miami as well. So, um, 
we, we wrote a few things. The, the four of us, the three of us wrote about four songs together. Down there. How, yeah. Now, how is it when writing for, you know, is, do you look at it differently writing for versus like, let's say Kylie or somebody who, you know, it's more of the pop dance sort of way? Well, well, well Greg, Greg was famous for like a rocky sort of vibe anyway, Greg, Greg Alexander. He, he did, you got the music, that song. And uh, I think Enrique wanted him on board because Enrique wanted to go more rocky. And so those tunes were like quite guitar led, really. But um, turned out good. Real, real good experience. I love it. I have a question. Can you please ask Mr. Davis about Beetroot? Can't say no. I can't say no to that listening to this song. <laughs> that's, that's another one, sort of so old, I, I can't even remember it. How do they find these tunes? I think it's a demo or something. Can you please ask if the song with Greg Alexander, Come On Over To My Place, was also written for Enrique? I think it was later, but it, did, it didn't make, make it. But I, I can't believe I've heard that either. I've, that was only a demo. Well, and I do know, so I had somebody else from another episode, an Enrique fan. I think it was like Enrique fan, like 2000 or something, where what yeah. they did was they would always listen to all the interviews Enrique would say. And he said, oh, I just worked on a song called Blah, Blah, Blah. And it would never yeah. get, it would never get released. So some of these fans are also like, have heard an artist mention a song. So they wanted to know that. Wow. There that you go. Mad. See, you have, you have a lot of people that are like asking these questions, which I, which I love. Another one was, and this is from Minogue Sisters Always. Can you please talk <laughs> about I Will Come To You? I think that that's an amazing song. Can you please ask Robert Davis about this song? And was Danny involved in the studio process? God, I mean, I did, did, did quite a few songs with Danny, co-writing, and um, but that, that's not the song that comes to mind. That's really weird. Have you got it there? Let, me see, let me see if I can pull it up. And that was Danny after Kylie? Yes, she was, yeah. So when you worked with Danny, was it on the whole, her whole project then? Or was it several different no, projects? No, it, it was just a few separate songs, really. She came to me for a, a couple of years, one period, just on and off. And I did some tracks with two guys called George and Stone as well, with, with Danny, and that, that was fun. Yeah, but no, she was, she was good. And then she sort of disappeared. I think she might have moved back to Australia or something after that period. Yeah, well, and I just heard Kylie is moving back to Australia. Yeah, yeah, getting sick of the climate in the UK, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> the whole time I'm like, well, I guess if you have to go to somewhere else outside of the UK, Australia would be pretty okay. I love it. All right. Uh, now the next, yeah. the next one, somebody said, hey, I have a quick question. Can you please ask Mr. Davis about the Anastasia song? I wonder, I know Gary Barlow is on there. Was that intended for his project or a band? Um, but that's my, the only time I've written with Gary was on, on a retreat about 20 years ago as well at Peter Gabriel's studio and it must be from that session so um it'd be, it'd be interesting to hear that and I'll remember the song <laughs> I'll play that one in a second and then the next one is the other part of it is hey I have a question can you please ask about hypnotized Paul Oakenfold song with Rob Davis I think it's really cool I still listen to it even this week can you please ask a little bit about how that came to be the opening sounds really cool yeah, I, I I didn't didn't write the track on that, but I, I was involved in the vocal on that track. Yeah, 
that wasn't the hit. I mean, the biggest hit I had with Paul was it's not not over yet, but um, it was probably on the same album. Uh, oh, another one was asking about how I feel. Bright Light. How many songs were actually written for the Bright Light project? Because I feel like it just makes sense for them to work together for the rest of their lives. <laughs> uh, um, I think I did about four songs with him. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So oh, and I have remember the good old days of boy bands. Can you please ask Robert Davis about Ronan Keating's song "Give You What You Want"? That song makes me yeah. smile. But again, that was with um, Greg Alexander, that project. And so, yeah, it's fun, yeah. Let's run an announcer over here. Now he does interviews people and stuff on television. Well, this is, what's, this is what's been fun because, like, this name has come up with a few people, and I was like, oh, I didn't even know this was on yours. Holly Valens. Her name's, oh, yeah. <laughs> her name's come up on a few people that I've interviewed. All right, yeah, I remember that one well. She was, she was a laugh, yeah. Swears like a trooper. So somebody <laughs> said, is she as perverted and funny in person as she is actually on TV? Because I think it's funny. Can you please ask how do they come? Yeah, oh yeah, how do they come? Yeah, um, she, she is a really good laugh. She, re- real loud swearing America, um, Australian she is. And uh, yeah, I've got a fun, funny memory with her. I, I took her out for a, a curry where I used to live, it, where the garage was originally. And um, the, it, all the waiters went bonkers. They re- recognized her and started flying around, around the restaurant. Yeah, it's really funny. <laughs> well, here's yeah. the thing. It's like, it's like I feel like there's you there next to this woman that is like, I, I only started learning about Holly Valance from interviewing different people. And they're like, you need to look her up. Yeah. She is hysterical. She, she yes. just says what she feels. And I'm like, and every yeah. songwriter I've talked to is very much like, Mm-hmm. and then they're like and then she was she was like the court jester like she was just a lot of fun so that part i love uh another question was can you please ask about how he came to work with the hollies i think it'll be really interesting for us to learn about that that's, a, that's an unusual thing um well, well my ex-base breath mud is in the hollies and he tours he's been touring with, with them about 20 30 years and he just asked um, he heard a couple of tunes that I'd done on the Enrique session. He just asked for anything that I had that would work for the Hollies. And, and I, one of the, the Greg Alexander tunes got, got a cut with them and, and a couple of other things I had. Yeah, so that's my involvement there. Really. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, another one is, uh, can you please ask him how he keeps working with Queens of Dance Floors? Because, I mean, with Kylie and with Sophie, this is amazing. Uh, can you please ask about Making Music? I think that's the name of the song because they put quotes on it. Making music with Sophie Ellis Baxter. Yeah, again, another album track. I'd have to hear that. It's like 20 years ago. Again, they're, they're picking up songs which aren't the singles. They're picking up like album tracks and stuff. Which, is like... which has got to be amazing, though, because considering it's like yeah, everyone exactly. can ask about, you know, oh, let's talk about this song or that song, that like your, your big, big songs. And here these people are going into the deep cuts. Yeah. Uh, after after Groove Jet, so Sophie wanted to go a bit more electronic and a, a bit more rocky in eighties, and and then um, she had all sorts of different directions going on. That's a, how hard yeah. how hard was it though? If I'm sure that people in the music industry were like, "Hey, we want another come into my world," or "We want another fragment." Oh yeah. Is there a point? I'm, like, what do you do in that situation? Well, well 
all over that period, I was getting song, American songwriters, UK songwriters saying, let's do it, can't get you out of my head again, but it doesn't work. You know, you, you can copy the tempo and you can, you know, change, copy the chords, but I think you just got to go fresh at stuff all the time, new stuff and not try and copy old stuff. It doesn't work really, I don't think. No, well, and that's... But use it. Go ahead. Use it to borrow ideas off. I mean, like when we were mixing Can't Get You Out of My Head, we were listening to Daft Punk, you know, because the sound's so good on that for the production. Oh, you know? So yeah. good, so good. Well, and that's got to be yeah. difficult because here it is, everyone's chasing that song and they're like, we need yeah. you to do Can't Get You Out of My Head 2.0. And it's like, yeah. if you want it for Cheryl Crow or somebody, I'm trying, I'm trying to think of another person that, w- that was... You know, at the height mm-hmm. at that time, it's like that magic might not work with that that group. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but then also, you know, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm at, I'm at Janet D- Jackson, and I had a, a conference call with Donna Summer, both wanting the saying the same thing. Really mad. Yeah. What? what? Yeah, yeah. Did you did you work on anything for Janet? Like, was there the the only thing I did for Janet? With that, I think I, maybe I sent her a few demos after that, but I never never heard anything again from it, you know. But uh, I think maybe she, yeah, that's a, so weird. Well, what about like Madonna and and you know share all these people? Like how I I'm I'm now questioning hearing even these songs that I did some of them I didn't even know. I'm like this is fucking good. So I'm like, was there ever like the were you ever looking going hey this is great to have the Kylie thing? You know what it might be cool like. Donna Summer, the you know the queen of disco. Um, mm-hmm. Are there those other artists that you were like, well, we kind of cool, or even Daft Punk? You know what I mean? Like, were there any of those yeah. artists where you're like, I'd go for working on that project? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they were, but you, you found out through that period. I think people like Janet and, and Donna Summer were probably demoing and demoing for years before the label were actually putting any songs out. So, I mean, labels got really scared of getting that smash, you know. And, and they'd make the artists go back in the studio. I used to hear stories of George Michael. He would, like, dump four albums before anything came out, you know. It was that sort of perfection period. Popping up for a quick second to remind you to join me on Patreon. For as little as a dollar a month, you're donating to keep this podcast up and running. We appreciate all the support each and every month. Thank you so much. Now back with the show. For further information, visit www.theoriginaldoll.com. For most of your catalog you didn't have not anything that i'd seen you didn't have Mm -hmm. 13 producers like no why was that Um, partly because uh, the the only song that i've had that's a biggie was groove jet that has samples on it so so the the uh, amount of publishing i made on that was like quite small but i've always been against that like because because i'm a musician like create your own tracks sod that you know using samples of other things you know well and that's what's become well i was going to say and that's where you as the artist in your your head can go oh let's just do this let's just make this where some people may not be able to i know a lot of the songwriters said the way i started was i would find some techno track and then just write on top of it and yeah yeah and you it's kind of like you're all in-house you know what i mean you could do the instruments you could do all this stuff you're in-house literally in the garage, in the house, you were doing this. Okay, can you please ask Rob, does he have any advice for somebody like me? I don't have a lot of money and I really wanna make music. It's become my outlet. During the pandemic, I was by myself and I really wanted to know 
how I could make myself just be a better musician. Any advice from the greats? Uh, um, does he, is it, he's the one to write songs? Yeah, or? write and produce, I'm assuming. Yeah. But I mean, nowadays you can get a thing called GarageBand or just sim- simple stuff for your computer and you can put stuff down and just develop, de- develop it and do loads and listen to records and study chords and just listen to all your favorite records and, and try and get them as good, you know. And, and, and because the, you know, technically you can get equipment quite cheap nowadays, you can make demo, simple demos sound great, you know just working at it do you recommend an indie artist like that let's say do you recommend them finding a publisher or just self-publishing it's it's unless you've got a hit or something going on it's really really hard to get a publisher interested i I think just learn your trade and, and do it yourself at first and if you build up a following on spotify or something like that and then it's worth you know showing them what you've got going you know because it's such a hard hard industry now well, and that's something where it's like, it's changed so much because you at the time, even with having, and I'll go back to like the Fever era where that was a physical mm-hmm. album that was selling millions and yeah. millions, you know, now, you know, somebody could be number one selling like, you know, 46,000 copies. Um, yeah. How do you look at, how do you, how would you approach music differently now than you did from like from the, the vinyl era to cassette CD yeah. sort of thing. How do you? I've got, I've got something very interesting to, to mention. Um, when in, in Mud in, in the 70s, we had a thing called Lonely This Christmas, which was a big record. Do you know that song? Mm-mm. It's like an, an Elvis, it's called Lonely This Christmas. That was doing 90,000 a day in the UK. Yeah, that's how big sales were in the 70s. Now, as you say, thousand, you get to number one. Yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah. it's insane. And then the other thing too is it's like the the value and and on the original thought after after my chat with you, I put up all the ways that uh, the listeners can support you by like the physical copies, you know, the actual downloads and things like that. Um, and so many people were just like wait, I thought, you know, hey, he wrote Can't Get You Out of My Head. That day, they must have given him a million dollars right away. Like, isn't that the way it works? Because people who aren't in the industry didn't know. And then the good thing is this small piece of the pie, because if Can't Get You Out of My Head had 16 other people involved on the publishing aspect of it, that amount just goes... Yeah, that's right. If you just do it with two of you or three of you, you've got more chance of doing a right out of here. Yeah. Did you did you do did you work on other projects then with with Kathy Dennis? Yeah, we, we actually we, we did a few things um for for a girl group. We we didn't get a cut on um oh, I can't remember them. Four girls, but they, they were big. We did did a few little bits and um later on we came together to do something else for Kylie, but that didn't work. See, so, that's what that's what the next question was. Oh my God! Please say that there's something else in the works. We're celebrating 20 years of the best goddamn song ever made. Can't get you out of my head. Can you please, please, please tell Rob Davis that he is an icon? I put him up there with Max Martin. I put him up there with Paul McCartney. He made music that changed the world. Can you just let him know that I appreciate it so much? Oh, that's very nice. Oh, really good. And and then the follow-up question with somebody else after this, because we go to that, it's like, oh my God, Atomic Kitten is the best band ever. Can you please? (laughs) It's a separate person. It's a separate person. But it's uh, somebody like you. Can you please, please, please talk about that? 
That song is a oh, pop. Yeah. Oh, great. Um, yeah, that wasn't a single, but it, we, we had, I had a couple of um, album tracks with Atomic Kid. And I can remember them all sitting in my front room the, the day before Christmas, you know. Really weird. Um, yeah, and that, that was something that was just developed for them, yeah, and pitched. And, and also the same label had a, band, a boy band called Blue, which we did a few songs with as well. Oh my goodness. See, yeah. that's taken me back in in an upcoming episode. I'm doing like a lost love letter to all those like boy bands and girl bands that like, like whether it's Cleopatra, you know what I mean? And there's other ones where people have asked me like, can you please interview Jamelia? And I was like, I know one song by her. That's when I was living in London. It was like Superstar, which Superstar. I just found yeah. out was a cover. I didn't know it was a cover. Yeah. Mind blown, mind blown. Okay, <laughs> last two questions here are, can you please, please, please talk to Sir Davis, Sir Davis, <laughs> about uh, Toka's Miracle? I think that that song forever changed the game for dance music. Please, please, please. How did he get involved? Who did he work with? Everything, everything, everything. Thanks so much. Okay, that, that's an interesting one. Um, in '96, um, Universal sent me to uh, the States to write with a guy called Victor Embres. And he had a label called Greenlight, and um, we uh, we came came up with a track together, and I did a vocal there on it, which wasn't right. I came home back to the UK with the same track we'd written, and um, changed it to something else, and that was Miracle. And I, I actually, on the way back from the states, I saw a, a magazine with the title "I Need a Miracle" on it. I put that in my book, and I used that for Tucker's Miracle. So I got that vocal and I did did a demo with an English girl over in, in the UK and, and then uh, we got Coco on it eventually, yeah. So that's amazing. That's one of those, I'm like, yeah. It's, yeah. it's finding inspirations, finding those words that, that come from nowhere. Cause like, it goes- yeah, I, re- I recommend subtitles in magazines, any sort of magazine, you know, you never know, I recommend that. Bee Gees used to do that. They used to buy all the daily papers and takes subtitles and words and lines out of it yeah see except for now i'm concerned with like squid game being the number one series in the world that people are like that's going to be very ultra violent songs um but i love it and that was something another songwriter joshua schwartz who worked on britney during like the britney album he wrote her christmas song my only wish this year and he said he would turn on like one tree hill or i was like he would put on these teen shows with the subtitles and oh, wow. see the way they, <laughs> see the way that they talk. I was like, "This is amazing!" All right, and then we have. Uh, can you please ask Robert about working with Grace? I know he had a few songs. How did that come to be? Um, that that was uh, Paul's idea to call. It's not over to put that under the name Grace, and um, Grace became the act, not necessarily the girl. And um, yeah, it was a. Uh, Paul was like amazing to work with because you do a song in a day. He was gigging every night. You'd write a song with him in the studio, and he'd get an acetate cut, and he'd be playing at his gig. So he'd test it, you know, before it even came out. He was, yeah, a really clever guy on that front. It's just a good way of working. See, this he had me doing loads of demos all the time. He said, "I like that. I don't like that." Like, you know, like, well, I was he had fu- really good ears. I was about to say, if it's one of those where he's like testing it out, like could be nightly, he's like, okay, next thing, yeah. I need more. So you're like, just give me a second. I'm working here. <laughs> exactly. exactly. So then uh, to, to rewind back. So when you had done, you know, Can't Get You Out of My Head, from the time that you and Kathy, that 
fateful Sunday in the garage. <laughs> you know, the first song didn't work. Was that, did whatever happened? What was that song called? Like throwaway song? <laughs> you know, I can't even remember. I, I have to go through types. I can't even remember what it was. It's you, lying there somewhere. Can you please find out at some point so I can give it exclusively yeah. to the listener? Or say the name exclusively to the listeners because. Yeah, I will. I'll, I'll find it. Well, Rob stuck to his word, and he did, in fact, let me know what that song was. Now, as many of you know, in the first episode, we had talked about for Come Into My World and Can't Get You Out of My Head. Those were only two of the three songs that Kathy and Rob worked on that weekend. The first song was worked on on a Saturday, and it just didn't go over so well. Then the second song on the second day was Can't Get You Out of My Head. So then uh, from there, Come Into My World came to be. But the first song was called found love. So you're hearing about that, which is kind of cool to hear about this. I don't know, many of you may say, what does it sound like? What is, well, from, you know, Rob's thoughts on it is that it it just wasn't a good fit regardless, that it just was them kind of trying things out, just didn't work. But two of the three songs going on becoming singles for Kylie, that's awesome deal. And then we talked about before that the song Fragile was in fact, uh, Rob Davis had worked on it for someone else. And then it ended up getting cut by Kylie Minogue. So we're going to hop back into this. Don't forget to join me on Patreon, patreon.com slash the original doll, or just go www.theoriginaldoll.com. Or you can buy merchandise on the website. If you scroll down to the bottom of the page, we have items for sale to keep this podcast up and free for all and other ways on how to help individuals in need. Now back to the show. How many songs did you then work on that were like, what was your batting average for the Kylie sessions with Kathy? Because you got three cut. How many demos yeah. did you ultimately do with her when you realized you should work for the Kylie project? I, I think because we didn't do the whole album, the, the A&R guy was just picking songs from people that sent songs in to be, be quite honest and from publishers. I don't think he said, oh, you write this whole album. It was just like, he just chose the best songs that were coming in. So we had to pitch, it's like pitching for a movie. Yeah, it was the same thing. Oh my goodness. Cause I mean, that's a pretty good average right there to have this and be on, that you've been on many huge projects and many huge songs and to me you know like the person that said that fragment thing was a game changer I feel like many points in your career you've had game-changing moments for the music industry and that's awesome and bravo to you on that and so as as we wrap this up I want to know this when you look back what are those songs that like hey I wish it would have gotten a little more love what are those songs that have stuck out that you're like, whether it was from Mud, anywhere else, you know what I mean? Gold, like all that stuff. What are those yeah. handful of songs that the listeners can be like, let's check those out? Well, well it's, it's interesting. Now I've got two projects that are on Spotify and they're on an Asian album called, called uh, an Asian label called Toko. And I've got a thing called Voyager 2 and I've got another thing called Anonic. And, and, and loads of stuff goes on Spotify with those acts and, and it's a lot of dance stuff. So it's sort of quite current, it's out there and, and it's what I'm doing now. It's, it's hard to remember the standout songs from before because there's so many, like zillions. You'd have a song one week and say, this is amazing, I love this, hope it doesn't get it. And then you forget about it because no one's picked it up or you haven't got it to the right people. It's just like, just got to be open to trying everything really and remember the hit, the, the things that you thought were hits, because you always go back to them and re, re sort of jig them and produce them up. And see, that's the part that I think is awesome is that you're a creative. 
that doesn't stop at nine to five. You know what I mean? That doesn't stop after you have that, that big hit. That doesn't stop at all. And if you would have stopped after Fragma, there would have been no Kylie and anything after. You know what I mean? Like you were just like, I just keep wanting to create, which I think is amazing. So looking back then on your career, do what do you think kept you going? What do you think continues from when you were 10, you know, playing the guitar until yeah. now? What keeps you going? I think the, the lucky thing is, um, being a musician, I just love the whole vibe of playing and creating, writing songs. I just, just even without thinking about what's a hit, I just, just the act of doing it, it's just, I just love it. It's like my, my hobby is my profession sort of thing, you know. So you just keep doing it and, and listen. I think it's important to listen to new stuff that's coming out and be open-minded. You might think, oh, I don't like that much, but maybe you're going to learn from it. You know, who doesn't? Um, Rob, how can the listeners follow you and on your socials and everything? How can they reach out to you? Well, I'm not great at socials, but um, as I, uh, <laughs> I have got an Instagram, Instagram Perfect. page, so you can look me up on that and um, and check out things like uh, Anonic and Voyager Two on Spotify, which which is my my project. And there's another girl called Shyla Rowe I've got, got to track out. All dance, all dance Ooh. pop stuff. And we need yeah. we need those songs now that we can actually dance outside. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm just happy to be going past a, a you know, a bar or a club in Chicago that you can hear the music. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, it's feeling a little better. It's feeling a little better. Well, Rob, thank Hopefully. you so much. And thank you so much for all of the art and the music you've given us for decades upon decades. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We truly appreciate it. And all right. Well, thank you so much, Rob. And I'll chat with you soon. Love you, meeting. Cheers. I want to once again thank Rob Davis for talking to us over these past two episodes. And have no fear, we have more coming up with some more Britney Spears collaborators and very, very soon. So make sure that you subscribe uh, and follow me on Instagram, that.original.dal, and also on TikTok at the James Rodriguez, R-O-D-R-I-G-U-E-Z, and also on Twitter at James Rodriguez, R-O-D-R-I-G-U-E-Z. And I will see you all on the flip side. <laughs> the original doll. Yeah.